Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey, welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I missed you guys. It's been a while. I've been on a pandemic-induced hiatus for quite some time, and it's really good to be back. We've taken the opportunity to change things around a little bit and bring you a video podcast. I know we dabbled in it a little bit last year. Uh, Now we're going this way permanently. This is the new home of the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. We will be also rebroadcasting in audio, so anybody who's listened to us over the last four years, you are more than welcome to listen with the audio podcast on any one of the platforms that I know that you like to listen to this. We've got a fantastic show today, and I have my guest to blame for bringing back the podcast. I know I've had a lot of people who have been asking me, you know what, we miss the show. We want to hear a little bit more. We love hearing from these great guests that you find around the world. And I know this helps people. It helps people to become more inspiring leaders. And that is our goal. That's our mission. That's our our reason for being. And so in that light, I want to blame our first guest because not only is he a productivity guru, and a time management specialist, Um, but he has also influenced me to the point where I no longer procrastinate. I'm getting things done, and it's amazing how I'm getting things done. I'm actually pretty impressed with how I'm getting things done. So I have him to blame because his system has helped me, and I want to make sure that I introduce it to as many people as I possibly can. Let me introduce you folks to a guy from uh, Seoul, South Korea, at least for the last few years, and somebody who, uh, like I said, has been greatly influential on me. Carl Pauline, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you on. Well, thank you very much for having me, Terry. It's a pleasure to be here. We are sitting at just a little bit after 8 a.m. here in North America, Eastern Standard Time. You're a little bit after... 9 p.m. in South yeah. Korea. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. We're just after 9 p.m. We've had a, a wet a wet day today, but um, it's still raining out there. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, listen, I want to brag about you a little bit because I think uh, the world of you and I am looking up to you with what it is that you've accomplished. Is it okay if I, if I take a little time and just uh, talk about you a little bit? Sure. No problem at all. Okay. Uh, so Carl Pauline, I can't believe how many videos you've put out there for free for people to really tune into and help them to become more productive. Um, so I, I want to maybe start off with a fun, some fun things here. Um, you are a Leeds Rhinos rugby fan. Right? Oh, huge, huge, <laughs> huge fan. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, as am I, an F1 racing fan, Formula uh-huh. One racing fan. Mm-hmm. You're a runner, you're a hiker. You and I are both hikers. Uh, you're a meditator. I know that. You and I both mm-hmm. have that in common. Uh, you've got a dog named Barney. Is that right? 
I do. What kind, yes. of, what kind of dog is he? <laughs> He's a Yorkshire Terrier. A proper oh, Yorkshire nice. Terrier. Not a miniature one, a proper one. A yes, proper you know, Yorkshire Yorkshire Terrier. <laughs> speaking of uh, Yorkshire and, uh, and all things UK, I believe, if I'm uh, recalling our conversation correctly before we hit the, uh, the record button, you were actually from UK and you were uh, working in the legal industry and decided to take a short period of time off to go to South Korea and teach English, year. right? A year. <laughs> yeah, just a year. And you never went back. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and so you started teaching English there. And since then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like a lot of people these days, you wear many hats and there are lots of things that you're involved in. And uh, productivity is one of these things where you have really found your niche, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that goes back to when I was 12 years old as well. Oh, is that um, right? Yeah, I was fascinated with it. I used to draw out by pen and pen by pencil and a piece of paper. I used to draw out these revision timetables for my exams. You know, I was terrible at exams, but I was brilliant at preparing revision timetables. <laughs> and oh, I just loved funny. it. <laughs> you know, I remember being a kid and um, we had a dartboard. And when I discovered mm. the dartboard, um, I'd throw the darts and I'd realize that, wait a minute, I'm not as efficient as I could be. And I started to track which quadrant of the dartboard I was hitting most consistently. And I found it was the bottom left that I was missing on mostly. So I started really focusing on that and tracking it with a little, you know, handwritten spreadsheet. And eventually I got much better at darts. So if we ever meet up in a, in a pub somewhere in the UK, you and I are on for a game of darts. Okay, You've got there. four books under your belt. Mm -hmm. Um, which wait a minute. Now we have to be honest here. You wrote your digital life and then you wrote version two of your digital life 2.0. So, mm -hmm. uh, time moves quickly. Things evolve. Nowadays, we no longer work for 40 years in an organization like my, our parents did, but mm -hmm. our lives are all over the place. They are analog and digital mixed together. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, um, uh, well, there's a few things, but it's one of the reasons that I am so impressed with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Most everybody out there uses um, one of two different productivity methodologies. <clears throat> and we've talked about this previously. One is the uh, getting things done, GTD, David Allen's getting things done methodology, which is really good. And I adopted it early on. All of my files have been organized in that way. I take time to purge and I take time to use that workflow of how things come in. If it's going to be under two minutes, I do it right away. There's my reference system, all of the rest of it. But there are very few people I find in this world who can look at a best practice like GTD, like most people use, most people who are serious about their productivity, they have subscribed to this and they figure this is the program. But very few people can look at something that is a best practice and say, this could be better. <laughs> and they have that ability to think outside of that box. And I find that this is one of the aspects that makes you a leader. This makes you a thought leader, a contemplative, somebody who has put their mind to something that everybody else accepts as a best practice. And you think, wait a minute, that was several years ago. He mm -hmm. developed this program at a different time 
when our needs and our workflows were different and things have evolved, things move now. I mean, if we think in Gordon Moore's, uh, uh, you know, t- time frame of um, how microcomputer chips have are doubling their speed every 18 months, if we measure the number of 18 months that have occurred since David Allen came up with GTD, um, our world has evolved. It is not the same place that it used to be. Well, we have to remember GTD was written, uh, published in 2001. And I, I've met David. I, I know I know him in passing. We've met. We've had lunch, actually. But I remember like he's always said that he developed all those strategies in the 80s and 90s. Well, the world was very different in the 80s and 90s. I started working in the 1990s. Um, but it, since the book was published, and it was updated in 2015, the ladies' book is 2015. But even then, if you look around, if you look back to 2015 and look today, to, Zoom didn't exist. Right. <laughs> Microsoft yeah. Teams didn't exist. And yet they are probably the two biggest, most used tools today. Yeah. Just in five, six years, boom, completely changed everything. And will so you- continue to change things. And and so you looked at the system and it occurred to you that, you know what, there's probably a better way. And I want, I want to talk about that better way, because I think you've, you've thought things through from a, wait a minute, instead of keeping all of these projects around us, we've got like, I'm, I literally work five jobs. Mm -hmm. I've got ubiquity executive coaching. Um, I'm coaching for another international executive search and placement firm, Audgers Bernson. Um, I coach for another firm, Bravely. I uh, I teach at a university. I um, vo- I'm a vice president for the International Coaching Association. I mean, our lives are complex. You yourself have so many things that you've got going, and so many people are like that. Um, mo- moving to this time based system, the mm-hmm. time sector system. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can jump into that a little bit, but mm-hmm. first I want to ask you a question because this is the inspiring leaders podcast. So I have to ask you, uh, you mentioned, uh, David Allen, you've met him, you've had lunch with mm-hmm. him, but beyond, um, maybe who knows, maybe it's David, but who is it that you look up to as a leader? Where do you find your inspiration? My inspiration comes from Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn. Um, right. Now, Tony Robbins, because of the what he's doing today, I mean, just incredible. What he did last year when he flipped from, because, I mean, anyone who knows Tony Robbins, he's all about those big events in huge arenas with like 20,000 oh, people jumping up and star. down. I, yeah. I, I was there in, I was in Singapore in 2019 to one of them. It was probably something I will never forget in my life. It was an unbelievable experience. So at the end of 2019, that's when I did that. Then I was planning, actually last year, said, right, my wife has to do this. And we're going to go to Sydney. We're going to have a nice hotel. We're going to do it all. And then the pandemic came. Oh, no. And it completely <laughs> flipped everything. But what, what really inspired me about Tony Robbins was he spent, I think it was, he was, he's told me the story. I think it's six weeks just going over and over and over in his head. How can I do my events? How can I do my events? And he came up with Zoom. Now, at those days, Zoom was like what we're doing now, you know, side by side talking. How can you do thousands of people on Zoom? So obviously, being the person he is, he reached out to the CEO of Zoom. And they worked together on a solution. And he spent $10 million building a studio in Florida that would work. And I did the first virtual UPW, Unleash the Power Within, in July. And I was just blown away. I thought, I've just seen the future. I mean, 
it's amazing what he did. And if I ever think about what is my kind of, you know, one of the things that Tony Robbins teach, one of the Jim, Jim Rohn always taught as well is success breeds success. So you can either figure it out for yourself and take a decade or 10 years, 20 years to figure it out, or you can find somebody who's doing what you want to do now and do all the research on Google you need and find that blueprint because it's there. And so I've, I've watched what Tony Robbins has done in the digital age. I've looked at what Jim Rohn did and how he built his business. And I thought, right, I've got the blueprint. Obviously times have changed. It needs modifying, but I know how they did it. And so I now have my pathway to success, if you like. Isn't that funny? I've always said I'm, I'm really not a creative person. Truth mm-hmm. is, I, I'm a lateral thinker. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not one to come up with these big, amazing ideas, Facebook and, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, this kind of stuff. But I, I'm really good at recognizing incredibly great, valuable creativity. Um, and I, and I think that that's kind of what you're talking about now is that there are some people who are at the right place at the right time with the right history behind them that they, they get into something like this. And when we recognize it, it's great. The format that you and I are speaking in right now, my inspiration, um, for this has actually been Peter Clark, who is, uh, the CEO of red TV and Peter Clark does these conversations on LinkedIn live. Um, I think he calls it LinkedIn, linked up on LinkedIn and he has <laughs> right. amazing conversations with people, but this format of being able to exchange like this across the planet, you know, completely different time zones, it makes sense as well. So this is great. So Tony Robbins, by the way, anybody I've ever talked to said, this guy changed my life. Every, my, I will never forget that event that I went to with Tony Robbins. You never do. You never no. do. <laughs> so, so this has been your inspiration. And, um, but you, like I said, you've inspired me when I went on and I, I, I don't even know how I found you, Carl. I was on LinkedIn or uh, YouTube and I was looking for something on productivity and workflow. I work on a Mac. So there mm-hmm. are really not that many sources out there that are high quality that really get you thinking through what your system is for working on a Mac. But mm-hmm. um, my goodness, you had so much information um, and, and it's been so beneficial. Let's talk about your approach. When, mm-hmm. you, um, when you looked at GTD and you started getting this idea that, wait a minute, there could be a better way. How did all of this come about? You have an empire now. <laughs> well, you know, I've taken also- your courses. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. How did all but this what, start? What you, I mean, as I say, I've had, I've had an interest in time management and productivity from a teenage years, but I was probably, I started in that with my Franklin planner in 1993. Um, used that right up to right up to 2009 when I actually, I was late to coming to GTD. Cause I say GTD published in 2001. I actually first read it in 2009 and went, Whoa, this is my answer. Cause that was the time when I got my first iPhone and I was thinking, do I really want to carry around this a five big leather binder, which I love. And I still keep it in my, uh, bookshelf. Um, but do I really want to keep that? Or do I really want to start using, you know, my, my cell phone, my, my iPhone. So, and then I read GTD and went, Whoa, now I can do that. I can actually go digital. And so for what, seven, eight years, I used GTD quite religiously. I went through all the pain points that most people do with GTD 
Um, but I was committed and I went with it. But like you say, it got to round about probably 2015-ish when I started thinking, hang on a minute, you know, the volume of email I'm getting, and I'm just an English teacher back then, but even then the volume of, in the volume of email I was getting, the amount of materials I had to produce each week, GTD just was not now, GTD purists will say that, and they always have done, they've always said, well, you didn't, you misunderstood GTD. I, I'm the guy who read GTD book every single Christmas. Right. Uh, from 2009 <laughs> to 2018, I read that book every single year. And, yeah. you know, I realized that most people, what had happened was they drifted. Um, because people, the app developers, the amazing app developers, they thought, oh, GTD, everyone's using that. Let's create an app for GTD. Yeah. So they created this thing called projects in apps and pretty much everything, OmniFocus, things two and three and Todoist even, and pretty much every single to-do list application said GTD. So they put the projects in, in GTD. Yeah. But if you actually read GTD book, your project support materials are not meant to be inside your to-do list. They're supposed to be somewhere else. You know, they're supposed to be in, in files on your desk or at the side of your desk, easily accessible. So right. I started thinking, hang on a minute, this is correct. We need to keep our project material stuff out of our to-do list so that our to-do list is kept clean and tight. So it tells you exactly what you need to do today. And then you move to that project area, which is the yeah. notes in today's world, notes app. Back right. in 2001, it was project folders. And I had them all. <laughs> I had every single project had a folder in its own filing cabinet. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. But the reality is today moves so fast. I don't have time to create a new folder by hand and print out all the paper and then put it in. And I don't have time for that. I've got systems in place now using Evernote and Todoist, which does that for me. But that then got me realizing, wait a minute, context which is the whole thing in gtd which is people place or things that's what your yes. lists are supposed to be based on yeah don't work anymore because yeah. as david allen would say in back in 2001 if you needed to do an email you had to be in the office with your computer yeah and you, you know we, in 2001 we couldn't do email from these things um, if I needed to write a report, I need to be in front of my computer. But today I've written countless blog posts just using my phone. Yeah. So the whole context thing has gone out the window for me anyway. And that's, I think that's really where it comes from. What works for me? And then I will just say, this is working for me. What about, what do you guys think? And it's sort of like, I get feedback now, obviously, because I've been on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube for such a long time. You know, people will give me feedback on my ideas and that helps me to refine ideas now. Right. And so you're crowdsourcing the refinement and polish of it all. Yeah, in a sense. But I remember right. the day when I realized it all comes down to time and I was walking to the gym. And isn't it weird when we say the best ideas come from the three B's, bed, bath or bus? Right. And I was actually, you know, I was actually walking to the gym at the time, you know, just thinking about my workout. I wasn't thinking about work. And I went, wait a minute. Everything relates to time. You know, it doesn't matter what task you have to do. The only thing that matters is, do I have time to do it? And then I'm on the treadmill and it's just everything just starts pouring out. And I just thought, I've just tapped into my unconscious mind. I don't know how long that's been trapped in there. <laughs> But it all started coming out. And I remember I was Amazing. up until six in the morning just typing 
everything that came to my head when I got home from the gym. And that's where the time sector system actually came from. But I suspect that it's probably been bubbling in my mind, in my subconscious mind for probably five or six years. And it just time. That's you know, the key to it all. Uh, Carl, this it's really cool that you say this because I was reading somewhere and I, I'll have a hard time recalling exactly where it was. It was a few years back. They were talking about when our minds get quiet, when the busyness of all of the, I've got to remember this, oh, I wor- I'm worried about that, you know, maybe a little bit of fear of how's this going to turn out. Um, you know, all of those conversations that spin around in our mind, when those start settling, that's when some of our greatest ideas come to us. And I remember reading this, um, this book. They were talking about very, very famous people who have been almost struck by lightning with ideas when they get into this zone. Um, Lewis Carroll, I believe he was the author of Alice in Wonderland, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said that he was, um, I, if I remember right, he was just sort of sitting on the edge of the water, looking out over the lake, letting his mind was just quiet. And he said the entire book was downloaded into him as if from some divine place. It's really mm-hmm. interesting that you said the three B's, you know, mm-hmm. bed, it is. bath, and it's, uh, I mean, traditionally say the three B's, bed, bath, and bus. Right. <laughs> I like that. But actually, so, when you mentioned about Lewis Carroll, you know, it was Isaac Newton as well, resting by, underneath a tree. Yeah. And, and it, the law of gravity, boom, <laughs> hit him on the head. He actually literally did. The law of gravity hit him on the head. But you're right. It's, it's actually those moments of quiet when your best ideas will come. And I actually have read into this a bit more now. And a lot of it is, as I say, it's just because you've got all these ideas are trapped inside your subconscious mind. And because you're always on the go, 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 they never come out. And when you finally relax and let go, it's one of the reasons why you probably solve most of your problems when you're on holiday or vacation. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So one of the things that Tim Ferriss, I learned from Tim Ferriss and I implemented this last year was the last week of every quarter. I now block off my calendar. Now it's not that I don't go on holiday. I don't normally just go and sit on the sofa and watch TV for that week. It's just, I will do anything that I want to do, just completely free, unplanned week. Right. And it, it's really amazing to just really get those ideas bubbling up. Um, That's now great. Now I'm fortunate. I'm self-employed. I can do that. If you're employed, you know, it's four-week vacation. <laughs> Maybe that's not so easy, but um, it works very well when you're self-employed. So uh, take me through a few of these ideas. So one of the ones that really struck me, COD. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, you know, this, I think came from you, right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and then there's also this two plus eight that we talk, that you talk about in some of your, in the time sector management uh, course, but walk me through a little bit of this. Like what, what ideas okay. can we help people with right here and now? So the first thing that everyone needs and every single productivity system, no matter what it is, how complicated it is, or how simple it is, all boils down to what I call COD, collect, organize, and do. So you've got to collect everything that comes your way. You've got to collect your commitments. And if you have a meeting, we usually collect that in our calendar. If it's a to-do, you know, something I have to do. If you haven't got a digital system where you'll write it on a piece of paper or you'll, you'll write it down somewhere. But all that stuff needs to be collected. So that's the collection. That's the C part. And then it needs organizing. Now, what are you going to do with it? 
So, you know, I, my wife could say, you know, oh, we need, we need apples. And so, right. I mean, this is a really simple example. So the first question I've got is, okay, well, what am I going to do with that information? We need apples. So, yeah. okay, add that to my shopping list. Now, okay, the next question is when, when am I going to do this? Because this is a task by apples. Well, this is kind of the time set to coming in. Well, we're going to the supermarket on Friday, so then we'll do that on Friday. Yeah. So it's that's the that's like a really basic, simple explanation of the process. So it's like collect, okay, we need apples, so add it to the shopping list. Organize it. Okay, when am I going to do this? Because that's part of the organization process. Uh, and then, of course, D, D of COD is do, do it. Now, the key to this is the balance between all of these things. Collecting is just something you do throughout the day. That can be 24 hours a day. You just collect stuff. Organizing is a dangerous area because you can go too far with this. You can spend I'm like guilty. <laughs> two or three hours a day just organizing email, but not actually doing anything with it. You're just moving True. stuff into folders. Yeah. Um, so the key with COD is to understand the different areas that you're in. Are you organizing or are you doing? And what you want to be doing yeah. is making sure that you spend 90 to 95% of your eight hours of work doing which works out i think i remember doing the calculations about seven hours and 20 minutes a day doing yeah. the work and just 20 minutes or so organizing it if you can do that you've got that magic number yeah ah that's i i like that a lot and i am guilty as charged following the gtd method i you know like you talked about I was uh, building folders and I was trying to put things in and think in terms of these projects all the time uh, or projects, depending on where you live. And um, <laughs> it, it, in hindsight, it was a lot of effort. And I like the way that you break it down. You say, yeah, you, so the collect, you should be doing all day long. That's mm -hmm. just little bits of a few seconds here and there. And by the way, I, I want to come back to that one because I, you got me on a brilliant practice. The second mm -hmm. being um, organize, and I think you say that should be just a few percent a day, maybe 5% tops. 5 because really, working time, yeah. Yeah, really, what we want to do is we want to spend 95% of our time doing, getting this stuff done. And mm -hmm. um, so back to the collect. You put mm -hmm. me onto this um, app that I didn't even know about. Apparently, it's been around for a while, Drafts. And it's only mm -hmm. on the Mac. I apologize to all my PC friends out there. This one's only on the Mac. Uh, but it was the customization that mm -hmm. uh, you, you had a video in it. I went step by step through it, hitting pause, you know, fixing this <laughs> up and creating my, my keyboard and all the rest of it. And now, literally, I'm not kidding, folks. If I have a bolt of lightning that comes and I, I get a great thought, I touch my my watch, my Apple watch, and then I touch it again on the microphone and I can leave a just a quick little message with my voice. It gets translated into text. And as soon as I do that, it'll go straight into my reminders app, which then every day I'll take a look at my reminders and look at my inbox and my reminders app and say, I need to schedule this stuff. When's the most likely time for this to happen? Mm -hmm. Most logical time. So this is all Carl. This is his influence. I'm blaming him. He's made me more productive. I'm getting things done because of this guy right here. I think it's a simple concept, but when you have these concepts, it helps you to see the world in a different way. 
And it helps you to organize things in a different way. And this makes the difference. Instead of, you know, okay, I've got 14 folders or 28 folders in my in my uh, filing cabinet. Now I've got, what is it that needs to be done today, tomorrow, this week, next week, and next month? That's the, the system that uh, it's... This is the time sector system. So let's, if you don't mind, let's bridge to this and talk a little bit about this. Well, that, that's the thing. You, you've just nailed it there. Is when the, one of the biggest power, the, one of the most powerful things of the time sector system is, I think most people will probably agree, is we've got way too much stuff and we don't have enough hours. Now, the thing about this is we're, we're dealing with the laws of time and physics here, and we can't change the number of hours we have each day. That's fixed. Yeah, now, there is no such can, thing as time management. <laughs> there isn't really, no. I mean, the thing is, you can steal time from your personal life if you want to, but I would never recommend that because one of the things that I really strongly believe in is a balanced life. And a balanced life doesn't mean 888. What it means is, is that when you are not working, you are not working. Right. <laughs> you know, you're not checking email. You're not worrying about something. So, but that, that's a different thing. But with the time sector system is once you realize that that side of the equation, time, you cannot change. The only thing you can change is what you're going to do, the tasks, your activity. That's the only thing you have control over. Yeah. So all you need to understand is how much can I do in a week just to, you know, without going crazy and getting enough sleep and eating and, and taking care of and how much. And so once you realize that what I do then is say, right, these are the things that must be done this week. Mm -hmm. Now, next week, and the week after and next month, I don't need to worry about right now. It really is not important. I, today is well, Thursday, so I'm not mm -hmm. worrying about next week because too much could change. And I think that's one of the things, like you mentioned earlier, about Moore's Law. And it does, it's not just in terms of computer technology and chips. It's also in the amount of work that we're getting. This right. chip, these chips that are speeding up yes. is speeding up the amount of work that we're getting, you know, Email was reasonably okay. It was beginning to get out of control in 2015. So somebody kindly came along and invented things like Slack and Microsoft Teams. So now not only are you getting email, but now you're getting instant messages from everybody as well. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. give me a break somewhere. So yeah. the thing is, is you're not going to get that break because technology is going to constantly do that to you. So you just have to develop, okay, what have, can I get done this week? What's my most important work? I'm going to do that this week. And you isolate that from next week, next month, and the week after. Uh, and that's the whole idea behind the, the time sector system. Stop worrying about next week because one Slack message, one email, one Microsoft Teams meeting could change the whole thing going on next week. So let's not worry about next week. Let's just focus on what needs to happen this week. And that kind of like leads to why you mentioned before about the two plus eight prioritization system. Yes, this is brilliant. Please talk yeah, about this. So what happens here is part of my obsession. I mean, I think most people think what a boring obsession. But <laughs> One of my obsessions is. Are you kidding me? No, this is foundational. This is mm. foundational. Yeah. So what I did was I started going back in time to look at, well, where's it all come from? And you know, I followed like Jim Rohn I mentioned earlier. I've then right. gone back to Earl Nightingale. And if you've never heard some of, he's on YouTube, but wow, he was like 1950s and 1960s. He was the guru. Yes, um, I know. Yeah, it's wow, fantastic. What a voice. I yeah. know. What a voice. <laughs> and then going further back, I came across the Ivy Lee method many, many years ago. And 
I also, what I do is I research people like, how does Elon Musk get his stuff done? Yeah. How does, you know, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, because he's an incredible busy guy as well. You know, how did Steve Jobs do it? How did Bill Gates do it? These yeah. guys are doing an enormous amount of stuff. I mean, sure, some of the kind of skeptics will always say, yeah, well, they have it. They have assistance. They didn't always have assistance. Yeah. It's just as they became more successful, like most people, we we hire people to do some of the, the work that we don't want to do anymore. And that's all they did. And But so where did they get it from? And it all goes back to this Ivy Lee method, which now I'm, I don't know if Ivy Lee invented it, but he was the one who made it famous. And basically the story is um, Charles Schwab of Bethlehem Steel asked Ivy Lee if he could come up with a method that would increase the productivity of his top executives. And Ivy Lee said, give me 15 minutes with your, each of your executive team. And he gave them all the same piece of advice. At the end of the day, write out the six things that you must do tomorrow, yeah. prioritize them. So what's the most important second, third, fourth, and then leave it because obviously no computers in 1918, leave that piece of paper on your desk and then go home. When you yes. come back the next morning, you start on number one and you do that. And when it's finished, move on to number two and so on. If you don't finish all six, you carry them forward to the next day. And this what I found is pretty much, well, everyone that I've researched has used this system. Now, mm -hmm. everyone, who's, everyone who's stressed out, overwhelmed, and says, I've got too much work, I've got too much email, I've got too much this, they're not using that system. And yeah. that kind of sets off a little bell in my mind going, well, okay, there's something here. But the time sector system and the two plus eight actually goes back to that system. The two plus eight is two must-do tasks that you must yes. do tomorrow. Yeah. And you've got to do this the night before. You don't do this the morning because that's just wasting the day. You need to do this 10 minutes before you end the day. Sit down and say, right, what are my must-dos? And I will do whatever it takes to get these two tasks done. And then you have eight other tasks that are your should-dos. So once you've done your objectives, you can move on to these eight should-dos. Now, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. People think you have to have eight and, you, you know, 10. No, that's just the maximum. If you can get lower, if you can have five or six or seven, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I always no, I aim like lower. I, I was looking at my uh, list for tomorrow just before I came on this call with you. And I thought, oh, that's nice. I've got six tomorrow, two objectives and four would like to do or should do tasks. There's a win. Yeah. And yeah, when I look at that, I'm thinking immediately my brain's going, when am I going to do that? Da, 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 da. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to have a good day. And what a way to go to bed. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, the two things that I think come out of this, what I'm hearing is efficiency and effectiveness. The two but it's real prioritizing. Keys. Yes. It's the weakness yes. that most people have. The problem we have is, well, it's twofold. The first thing is, as human beings, we are pre-programmed to please people. Yeah. So we say yes too easily. And the second part of that is we're also affected by something that people call FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. Yes. And it's the fear of missing an opportunity. So what we do is we say yes to every opportunity. But then they're not opportunities. If you're saying yes to every opportunity, then none of them are opportunities. It's a bit like somebody once said, if everything is important, nothing's important. Exactly. Yeah. You're diluted. So, yeah. It's like uh, yeah. Uh, not enough peanut butter and too much toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so what you've got to do is you've got to get really smart. 
I mean, when you hear about the phrase work smarter, it really yeah. just means you've got to learn to prioritize. And part of the time sector system is really understanding what is your core work. Yes. Like, what are you actually paid to do? You're not paid to check email all day. You're yeah. not necessarily checked to, uh, paid to sit in meetings as well all day. There's something that you are employed to do. You are employed maybe as a salesperson. Well, that's what you want to be doing. So how are you going to, you know, how do you make sales? Well, you get in front of the customer. So your core work is anything you do that puts you in front of a customer. Yeah. It's not reporting to your sales manager. Now, people will say, oh, my sales manager insists on it. But, well, you may have to have that difficult conversation with your sales manager. And so I say, look, boss, you know, you want me to help you to reach your target, but you keep calling me into the office. I can't do both. Right. Yeah. So you, know, you in, have, um, you've got, I'm going to estimate uh, 200 videos on YouTube that people can literally click on. And they're like six to eight minute videos that people can truly change the course that they're on, especially anybody out there. And particularly the leaders who listen to the show, the ones who say, I'm stressed. Um, mm -hmm. I've got too much on my plate. Uh, I'm not getting the right things done. I'm feeling the pressure. So I know all those videos are there, but I would strongly encourage people and I'm going to put the connections up with, um, with you. And I don't think I've got your YouTube, uh, up here, but look for Carl Pauline on YouTube as well. You've got your own channel and, mm -hmm. uh, the amount of resources there are phenomenal, but I want to put in a strong recommendation for the courses that you offer. How do you offer these courses so cheap? They're, they're next to nothing. Well, I was thinking about that and, um, you know, actually, I, I have a few coaching clients, and one of them is uh, um, like pretty famous in, in the world of social media. And uh, he actually says, uh, you're way too cheap. And I said, ah, you're missing the point. I'm not in it to make money. I'm in it to help people. Oh, and, uh, you know, my, my respect. And that's always been my policy, which is why actually I've got over, I've got close to a thousand videos now on YouTube. I've been doing probably two or three a week wow. for the last five years yes. I, i've written a blog post every single week now for six years so there must yes. be quite a lot of blog posts on there and my podcast i've been doing for three years i think we're getting close to the 200th episode of my podcast as well and of wow. course all of that is free um because as i say my purpose is really to help people understand that when you get control of your time your yes. life changes for yeah. so much for the better you start reconnecting with your family because <laughs> suddenly you're not worried about work because you know you've got that boxed off it's kept taken care of so when you do get home at night uh, you suddenly whoa you know there's a wife and two children <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> where did you come from <laughs> this is a good point and i want to bring this up and maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up because i know we've only got a few minutes left but um, so often when I'm coaching, um, leaders, executives, I hear the comment that I feel like my life is out of balance. And I always picture that wheel. I don't know if you've ever seen the holistic wheel of life with mm -hmm. the eight different sectors in it. And I know that you've got some stuff, a course that I've taken from you that relates very, very closely to that. Although instead of environment, I think you have purpose as uh, the eighth one. Um, but it's when some of those need our attention and we're not getting to it. And we're prioritizing usually the things that where we're measured like work 
and um, our earning and that sort of thing. When we're putting too much weight into that and we're not saying no enough to it, other areas of our life become like a deflated tire and it doesn't roll well and our life yeah. doesn't roll well. And so I, I would encourage people to uh, take a look at those courses that you offer. Carl, I've got a couple of more questions for you if you're okay with mm -hmm. it because yeah, sure. we, we've got this lovely format that we've been following for a long time. So a couple more questions. Um, I'm just wondering maybe from your perspective as a productivity guy or, or just in general, it doesn't matter. Um, do you have any advice that you can offer to um, either emerging leaders or veteran leaders that are out there today? Any advice from your perspective and your expertise that might help? Yeah, actually, one of the biggest problems I've come across when I'm coaching and, te and teaching and working with people, uh, companies with their productivity is actually not the workers. It's actually the bosses. Uh, the biggest problem I've come across is bosses constantly wanting updates. Now, I get why they need it because their boss is asking them questions as well. Yeah. But the problem is when you start interrupting your team to get a status update about a project, you are stopping them from doing the work. And immediately you've got to think in terms of when I interrupt them, their productivity is going to sink. Now, if it's just a two-minute catch-up, maybe it's not such a problem. But I did, and I, I can just help you with this with a story. I, I had a, an English uh, coaching client. She was um, an, a director in one of the companies I work here. And every day she would, if any, she needed a question, she would call her uh, product managers and say, what's going on with this project? What's going on with that project? And every Friday she'd have a three-hour meeting, every Friday, just for status updates. And I kind of gently, because I was actually teaching her uh, uh, project managers as well and I was saying where's yeah. your biggest problem they said uh, we're always having meetings and I'm always being interrupted so I actually was able to go and report this back and the excuse was the manager says well if they don't tell me I'm going to have to go into the system and find it and I can't be bothered to learn the system and I went okay so what's going on here is we got a the head office, global head office is saying, you need to improve your productivity. You're telling me it's impossible, but you're actually causing the problem yourself because you won't learn how to use a system, which she was perfectly capable of doing. Uh, so you could type in the customer name or the client name and get the information. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if we ever she ever resolved that, but I mean, that's an example of where leaders need to allow, just let their team get on with it. And that really comes down to trust. If yes. you train them well, and you give them clear instructions about what you want, what are the deliverables, you won't need status updates all the time. I love so it. So it's about okay. communication. Be clear what you want and just let your team get on with it. You're, you'll find the team's productivity goes skyrockets. Right on. Last question for you before we end. Mm -hmm. We're just uh, last into our last minute. Um, what does inspired leadership mean to Carl Pauline? Inspired leadership is change for the better that that's definitely got to be for that um i'm i always find it disappointing when you see those like scandal videos like enron and uh world and stuff like that because i think that's not what leadership is about unfortunately they are very small they're very tiny but unfortunately the media blows it up and you think every big corporation's like that but the, for me inspired leadership are leaders who really want to change the world for the better Yes. And I admire people like that. And, you know, we've got people like Tim Cook today, um, who's genuinely, you, you can see it whenever he's speaking, you can see where his passions are. They're not trying to rip people off. 
And that yeah. inspires confidence for me. Right on. Carl, I want to thank you for joining us here today. I think you've just enriched the lives of a lot of leaders out there and anybody who's listening to the show. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Seoul, South Korea. It has been a pleasure and I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, it's been a pleasure too. Thank you okay. for, for asking me on. <laughs> oh, you're, you betcha. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank everybody else for coming on board with us today, listening in. And for anybody who listens to this one in the future, thank you so much for joining us on the Inspiring Leaders podcast. Make sure that you hit the like button and subscribe. Don't miss another episode. We have some phenomenal leaders coming on the show in the next little while, and I do not want you to miss it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Take care and be well.